morning. Welcome to the well. My name is Al. I'm the lead pastor here, one of the pastors here, and so it's an honor and privilege to preach God's word. We are in the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been studying it for quite some time, the beginning of the year. Uh, we're getting close to the end, but as we've got to the, the spiritual gifts portion of 1 Corinthians, what we've done is we've slowed down and looked at the various spiritual gifts found in 1 Corinthians, but we were also looking at the different spiritual gifts found in the New Testament. And so well, the reason being is because I don't want to go through the whole entire book of the gifts in 1 Corinthians and someone to say, hey, wait, my gift's not there. I may not be saved. Uh, like, no, your, your gift is in the Bible. It just may not be in 1 Corinthians. And so today we're going to spend most of our time looking at a, a passage in Ephesians and Romans to look at uh, other spiritual gifts that are not in listed in 1 Corinthians. And then what we'll do next week is we'll get back into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 14, looking at uh, the spiritual gifts of tongues and prophecy uh, and, and, and glue it all together with love uh, in chapter 13. And so that's where we're headed. Uh, and so if you, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you one. Uh, if you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Uh, and so we want you to take it, keep it, read it. It is our gift to you. Um, and so let's go ahead and begin looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to do a little bit of a recap and then we'll get into, um, I think we're covering six gifts today total. So I got to uh, stick to it uh, and stay on pace. And so uh, verse chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians verse 29 through 31, it says this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire higher gifts. And so what this is, this is what Paul has been saying is that there's a bunch of different gifts that God has given his church, uh, and, and they're, they're, but everyone doesn't have every gift, and that's okay. That's okay. It, he, not everyone has every gift. So when he says they're all apostles, all prophets, all teachers, the answer is no, not all of us are. And that's okay. It's a good thing. Um, and so what he then he says is it's okay to desire gifts. It's okay to desire gifts. He says, it, it, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And the higher gifts, as we talked about last week, are the ones, the gifts that build up the church, that, that really built up the body of Christ. And so this, uh, the, the desire for the Christian to have more gifts, uh, to use for the body, to serve the body, that's a great desire uh, for you to have and so but but we must understand um, that it is Jesus who gives his, his spirit who gives the gifts and the point of the gifts is to unify the church of Jesus for the mission of Jesus that's the point the gifts are to build up the church for Jesus and his mission his mission is, is the reason why we have the gifts so we're one team we're taking the field we have different positions on the team with different giftings to serve Jesus and his mission and so the, it, this implies this reality that there aren't isolated Christians. Christians uh, are, are, are people who know, love, and trust Jesus, but they're not isolated Christians uh, do not make up a church. Just like a single individual doesn't consist of an army. Uh, it, it take, it's, it's, you know, one Christian is not a church. Two Christians are not really a church. The, the, the church is comprised of, of the body of Christ that has different gifts functioning together on purpose for a mission. So the, the gifts that God has given you individually are are our gifts collectively as a church. And so what we're going to see today is that it, it is six different spiritual gifts. But before I get there, I just want to remind us that um, it is God the Holy Spirit who gives us these gifts. It's okay to desire other gifts, but what it's not okay to do is to despise the gifts that God has given you. Or, or if he says no to another gift, it's, it's not okay to despise that or be frustrated with that as if God is withholding from you in a way that, that means that he's not benevolent, loving, caring, or or or, or, or has, has his, your best interest in mind. So with that being said, we're going to pick up in, in uh, looking at the gift of shepherding or care. We, we talked about it briefly last week, but I ran out of time, so I'm going to hit it 
uh, right now before we get into the other five gifts we're going to look at today. So shepherding and care. So there's a difference between the offensive office of a shepherd called uh, the pastor or elder uh, overseer. This is the word that is used interchangeably throughout the scripture. And so the office is said to be in First Corinthians or First Timothy chapter three verse one. I want you to see this. It says this saying is trustworthy. If anyone desires the office of an overseer, that is pastor, shepherd, elder, uh, uh, he desires a noble task. So I want you to see even here again, it is okay to desire an office. Uh, it's okay to desire to, to, it's okay to have desires uh, and to, to aspire to something. So if you aspire to certain things, you aspire to having certain giftings, it's okay to aspire to that. But what it's not okay to do is, is say, if God says no, that you get all upset and hurt about it. Because see, it, it is the Holy Spirit who sets apart overseers. And, and so what we should all aspire to have the quality of godly men and women through the scripture, but it is God who sets apart the office of a shepherd. And so uh, the office of, of a shepherd. And then what we see next is the gift of, of, of shepherding. And, or, and so it says this in, in uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, I talked about last week this word shepherd and teacher. Sometimes are, uh, some, some scholars and theologians and, and commentators will put them together as one type of one gift and one gifting. And so uh, I, we looked at the, the teacher side of this gift last week, and, and this is what I said last week. I, I didn't have time to, to discuss the full shepherd side of it or the care side of it because there is a, a care component. And so uh, Teaching is this effectively communicating God's word in a way that those who are being taught uh, understand what's being said, uh, and, and they, they're, they're learning, and they can apply God's word. And so a teacher is not just one who talks about God's word, but it can teach in such a way people understand. And so the shepherd, shepherding gift comes alongside a teaching gift, and it, it's able to apply God's word uh, in, in a manner of care, or what we, you might call biblical counsel, counseling. Uh, and care. And so that's the other side of this gift. And so the person with this gift has a pastoral gift. They may not be a pastor per se, uh, uh, but um, if you are an elder or a pastor, you must have this. Uh, but, but a pastoral gift in which they, they, they use the word of God uh, to protect, guide, give counsel, and disciple other people. That's what this, this idea of shepherding is like as far as the, the gift of and, and I hopefully we see the difference between the gift and the office. The office is set apart for uh, those who have been called by God to be a shepherd. But and, and, and the elder or shepherd must also have the gift of shepherding. But not everyone who has the gift of shepherding is an elder. Just trying to be clear on that. And so people with this gift, they see great joy in seeing people mature in Christ. You're like, I love it when other people mature. Now, there's some of us who are like, you're like, I just love it when I get, when I'm mature, I'm excited about that. But, but the one who has the gift of shepherding, they see other people maturing and they get pumped. They're fueled by other people growing in the likeness of Jesus Christ. They're more fueled by that than their own maturity. Like that, that's, they are so excited to see other people grow and mature and overcome. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's discouragement. They, they love to see people bear fruit of the Holy Spirit and they want to help cultivate that in individuals lives 
And so we see this gift displayed in Jesus' ministry, and we've done this with every gift, shown that every single spiritual gift Jesus uh, uh, manifests in his ministry. Therefore, when we take these gifts and we exercise them and use them uh, for the glory of God and the good of his church, we are in part playing one of the role, one of the many roles that Jesus played. There's 19 spiritual gifts. Jesus played them all. And so we get to be graced by God with different gifts, and we get to be like Jesus in a certain particular gifting. And the gift of shepherding we see in Jesus's ministry, namely in, in, in passages where he was so good at it, he, they called him the good shepherd. Like that was his title. He got a title after this. And, and we see this uh, in various passages in, in John 10, 13, but also in 1 Peter. 1 Peter, all, Peter also calls him the chief shepherd, this idea of Jesus being the shepherd. And so Jesus is a, is a man who sits and pastors and shepherds his people. He is a shepherd. Moreover, we see him doing this pastoral counseling care and evangelism with this woman at the well. And we, 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 in John 4, we see him, him taking time to listen to her story, hear her story, but also uh, confront her sin, share the word of God with her, share the gospel, and it leads to true life change. This is a shepherd, uh, shepherding sheep in this moment. That's what he is, Jesus is doing. So the question is, do you have this gift? Is this, do you love caring for people in a way where you want to correct or instruct them with God's word? And when you do, they feel helped. So if, if you're like, I love to, sh- to, to you know, uh, wield the rod of a shepherd and no one feels helped, you might just be a guy with a stick whacking people. It's, if the shepherd is the one who like, can, can share uh, and wield the sword and wield God's word to correct, but people are like, yeah, I needed that. That was helpful. I feel loved. Thanks for stepping in and helping in this regard. Do you enjoy meeting with Christians regularly to help them mature in Christ? So you might have this gift. Do you do people pursue you? They look they go, they look to you and they, and and they want to, to you for wise counsel and instruction in God's word. You might have you may not know you have the gift, but other people might do. And they and they say, hey, this guy is really helpful when it comes to to, to giving wisdom according to God's word. So I'm gonna I want to go to him to at, seek counsel from him or her. Uh, do you do you regularly meet with people and you love giving them next steps to walk in? You know, like you, I want to help you follow Jesus and you have some next steps for him. Do you really enjoy seeing people mature in Christ, bear fruit of the Holy Spirit? You might have this, this gift, this gift of shepherding. It, and um, it's one of these gifts where many people, it, it, they kind of understand it in the way in which we all want to, to be shepherd, shepherded. We all want to be led. Whether you actually do or you don't, like you all understand in, in some desire to like, man, I, we need a shepherd. Jesus is that shepherd. And so this gift makes sense to many, but not everyone has the gift. And so if you do have this gift, it is a great gift in, in, in service to the body of Christ to help care, direct, lead people according to not your word, will, and ways, but God's word will and ways. And so let's jump in now to Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're going to look at a few verses here, and we're going to look at different five different gifts here in Romans chapter 12. And so verse starting in verse 6, it says this, having the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And so what Paul is the same author uh, as, for, as, as uh, Ephesians and 1 Corinthians, uh, where we've seen all these gifts, he's the same guy writing the book. He, he wants each church to walk in their giftedness. And so he's, he's, he says that each gift, they have different, uh, um, uh, they differ according to the grace given to them. What he is saying is that each gift 
has uh, different capacities, or amount, uh, there's an amount of a measure uh, of grace given to each one with the gift. So every Christian gets a gift. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. But some gifts, uh, for example, like teaching. Last week we, we talked about like a teacher who, who has the gift of teaching. They may they may be better at teaching one on one than large groups. See the difference in capacity there? Like a teacher teaching one-on-one, still the gift of teaching, or two or three in a, in a median or a mid-sized group, 12. We see Jesus do it all, Peter, James, and John. He took them one-on-one up the mountain. We see him, or with the three there, we, saw, we see him also with the 12, and then we see him with the crowd. So Jesus taught in all of these spheres. He embodied the full range of the gift of teaching. Now, some of us uh, can do a few of those. Some of us are, are, are called, uh, if you have the gift of teaching, to one of those particular uh, uh, group sets. And so it's the same is true when it comes to all of the spiritual gifts that some have the, the capacity uh, and grace, what he says here, according to the grace given to us, to, to use, uh, to have different co- capacities or different amounts of grace for our particular gifting. And so he says, if prophecy, then do it in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, if uh, the one who teaches in his teaching. So we've talked about faith, we've talked about serving, we've talked about, pro- or we're talking about prophecy next week. We've, we've talked about teaching. And so this one, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. We'll talk about exhortation or encouragement today. The one who contributes in his generosity. Uh, we'll talk about generosity today. The one who leads with zeal. We'll talk about leadership today. The one who, has, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We'll talk about mercy today. And verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to to show hospitality. We'll talk about the gift of hospitality today. This will wrap up the 17 of the 19 or gifts or something like that, and then we'll get into the last two next week. And so we'll start by talking here about encouragement or exhortation. He says this, the one who exhorts uh, use the gift of, uh, it's this gift, this gift of exhortation or encouragement. That's what the word means. Uh, to, uh, exhortation is an, is an encouragement, so if you're a new word to you, there you go. Uh, and so these are the encouragers, hence the name. Uh, they bring comfort sometimes uh, to those who need, who are discouraged. Uh, they, they're the supp- they, they love to support and help uh, others become who God wants them to be. They're the encourager. Literally, the word uh, encourage means to pour courage into someone. This is not just just make someone happy. I need us to see this. This isn't just like crack a joke guy who like this the person's downcast. They're sad and say they want to come over crack a joke and the guy laughs. Uh, that that's not necessarily spiritual gift. <laughs> it's, called, it's, it's fun. Like, I love doing it. I love, but like, I'm not, you're not pouring courage necessarily into someone just by like, they're sad and, you know, someone, they just lost a loved one and you just were good at making them laugh to forget about it for a moment. That's not a spiritual gift. That is just a coping mechanism. And that's okay. We can talk about that. There's a use for this, but the spiritual gift of encouragement is one who, who really instills courage into someone, someone who's fearful, afraid of, of maybe obeying God or walking walking in his word, will, and ways, or stepping out in faith in, in, in a certain capacity, one with the gift of encouragement can come alongside someone who's anxious uh, and, and just, just, just struggling to take the next step in their Christian walk and their journey and pour courage into them and cause them to step out and lead according to God's word, will, and ways. This is what we see God doing to guys like Joshua after Moses dies. So there's a great tragedy. Moses dies, and, and they didn't get into the promised land yet. Joshua is supposed to take God's people into the promised land, and God tells them to what? Be strong and courageous. And he says it over and over because he needs encouragement. He needs, he needs courage. So I want us to see this. Encouragement is not just simply making someone uh, smile or, or alleviating their temporary pain. And it's, it's giving them courage. 
Do you like giving people courage? Do you like seeing people go from uh, uh, discouraged to Encourage you like people seeing people going from man they, they they're shrinking from opposition to standing in the face of opposition. This is what we see with the with Peter when Jesus tells him the Holy Spirit's going to give you courage. This is what's going to happen is he goes from denying Jesus, being afraid of being associated with Jesus, to standing up and preaching the first sermon and telling everyone in the crowd like, hey, you crucified Jesus. And, and someone should have been there going, hey, weren't you the guy that was hiding and scared? You, like, you didn't even want to be associated with Jesus. Now you want to tell us we killed him? Like, that was Peter. Why? He got the Holy Spirit. And in that, he got encouragement. He got courage. He got courage. The person with the gift of courage has this unusual uh, sensitivity uh, to people who are discouraged. Like, they're aware. They can see it. And they can, they can, uh, they, they're attracted to these people who may be discouraged or struggling, and they want to help them uh, overcome their discouragement and pour courage into their lives so that they can be healed. Uh, maybe they, they can understand God's truth. Uh, maybe maybe they, they can receive compassion, and that propels them forward in their life and in their ministry. The person with the gift of exhortation or encouragement wants to Put courage, put steel in the, the backbone of, of a person, help them walk straight upright towards Jesus' calling. Now, that, that, that looks like, it, it, depending on where the person is and, and their need of encouragement, can look differently. But the goal is that they go from uh, shrinking to standing, from cowardice to uh, courage. That's what encouragement does. We see this with uh, Jesus in his ministry, um, and he, he taught us to love our enemies, and do good to them. You know what that takes? Courage. To love your enemy and do good for your enemy, that takes courage. We often think of courage as like fighting our enemy, like drawing lines on the battlefield, let's go, we need courage for that. You need courage to pray for your enemy. Some of you have just been freed right now because you're like, I've never thought about that. I, I pray to fight my enemy. I read some of the Psalms and I'm like, crush his head. I'm wanting that, and I want encouragement towards that, Pastor. Give me the zeal to go out and make war. And Jesus says to love your enemies, to do good to them, to pray for them. There's great encouragement that can come from a bitter soul for a man or a woman who would pray for their enemy. Pray for your enemy. Jesus also exhorted us to leave our sin. That takes courage. The sin that we, we once loved so much, we wanted, that was comfortable, our past that we enjoy. to leave, Just imagine uh, with the woman at the well, leaving her, her past life for the life that Jesus has for her, leaving everything. Or Jesus' disciples calling them to, to, to follow him. He's, he's bidding them uh, to, to, to risk everything to follow him. And in doing so, they need courage. They need courage. Philippians 2.1 also tells us that there's encouragement in Christ. So do you have this gift? Do you love to pour courage into people? Do you love to see someone go from shrinking to, 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 to standing, from cowardice to having courage? Do you love to see it? you just like, man, that person was, I remember when you were a weak person, and now you're strong. Do you love that? I love reading biographies like this. Like this is, uh, my, my, my fourth son, his name's Knox, and this is the, the John Knox in, in Christian history, his first sermon, he cried. He got up there ready to preach. He runs away crying. Like you're like, wow, what a weak pastor. He comes up later and he stands against the governmental authorities at the time and he heralds the gospel and he, does, he's not, he goes from cowardice to, a, a, to, to courageous. I love seeing that. love reading biographies of, of men and women who, who, who were once uh, uh, 
had a, had a spirit of cowardice and God poured his spirit upon them and they started to have courage. That's a spiritual gift, to give courage to other people. If you have that, man, we need it. We need it. The church needs it. There are days and seasons where we need, uh, we're discouraged, we need courage. Do you enjoy walking with people through difficulties? You're like, I, I'm attracted to the guys and girls who are like, they are discouraged. I want to come, I want to help them out. I want to encourage them. Are you patient with people? That's, to encourage someone, you sometimes got to be really patient and pa- encourage them uh, to, to, to be long-suffering with them. Are you, is, this, is this you? If it is, I'm going to give you a few things that you can do to help you grow in this gift of encouragement. One of the things is you must do. If you have the gift of encouragement, you need to be involved in the church community, period. If you're not involved in community, you can't even use your gift. Who are you going to encourage? Nobody. If you're in prison, write letters. But until then, like, uh, in, be around the people. Be around the people. You probably already are if you have this gift because you're like, I want to pour courage into people. But be in community groups. Be in discipleship groups. Be among the people. When you show up on Sunday, don't just drink coffee, sing some songs, and get out of here real quick. Sit around, observe, pray, look around. Are there people I can encourage? Usually people who are discouraged show it where? On their face. You can see it. If you have the gift, you can definitely see it. You're like, that guy's discouraged. That girl's discouraged. If you have this gift, I don't even have to you know, walk you through how to have that conversation. You know how. Be aware that God wants to use you. So that's one way you can grow. But I joked about writing re- letters from prison. But that is a great way to encourage people is to write a letter to somebody. Maybe you don't have time and you notice, you heard, had a conversation. And you're like, hey, I'm, I noticed that person is really deeply discouraged. I'm telling you, those who have the gift of encouragement, writing a letter to someone and, and giving it to them, whether it be long or short, can really give courage. I was, I was talking to someone this, this week where they got a, they got a, it wasn't even a letter, it was just a long like message from someone uh, in, in, a, in, in like, you know, a text message or someone. And they were like, man, I keep reading this message over and over and I'm going to meditate on this message that this person sent me. Like, and it was giving them courage and encouragement. I was like, wow, I'm using that one in the sermon on Sunday. Like, that's cool. That's cool. Write letters. Additionally, I'll say if you have the gift of encouragement, you need to, to help grow that gift. You should create margin in your schedule. So if you're, if you're rushed and, and every minute of every day is just planned out, you may, not, you may miss opportunities where you can encourage somebody because you're just so busy. Create margin in your life. Uh, and you may need to create margin in your own budget uh, th- in order for that to happen where you have to get this, sit down with someone over a meal or coffee or uh, you, create a moment where you can and pour courage into someone and encourage them. The gift of generosity, that's next. Uh, the, those who with the gift of generosity are, are particularly willing and able to share resources they have. And they do so with joy and pleasure without needing anyone to do it for them in return. And so everyone loves to like, I can, I'll serve you if you serve me. That's normal. That's not generous. That's just normal. That's, that's just normal. Uh, the gift of giving or generosity is the willingness to do so without, hey, I don't care. I actually don't even want you to give back. Like I just, I'm just giving this to you. And so this gift is a, a, uh, a stewardship of wealth. And so what I mean by wealth is the sum total of your uh, money and your assets and resources. I'm not namely talking about time. That's more, that's a different gift. Using your time, uh, that's a gift of service. The gift of generosity is actually stewarding your, your real life money and resources to bless others. Like you just cannot wait to do that. Some of you are like, I don't understand 
this gift because uh, I don't have it. That's why you don't. And that you, you're like, some of the gift givers are the ones who are like, they know everyone's birthday and they're always giving you gifts on their birthday. On your birthday, you're like, they gave you a gift. And you're like, how did you know it was my birthday? You, 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 you feel so, if you're the person who feels so bad that everyone's like giving you gifts and you never give them the gifts, you don't have the gift of giving. That's okay. But that's how you know. But if you're the person who's like, oh man, I, I forgot the birthday and I just feel so bad I didn't get them something. You might have the gift of giving. Like you just want to give. You want to give people gifts. You want to give people gifts they like. You want to give people gifts just because. You think about if you have the resources, you're like, there's real people out there who are like, I'm going to buy a vacation home so I can let my friends use it. That's generous. There are people out there that literally do that, 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 that they, they have the God-given gift of generosity, and God has then also blessed them with much wealth, and they're like, I'm going to buy a house and let my friends use it. It's in, I, in, in, in parts of the world that are beautiful, then the mountains, so that all summer long, we won't be in the mountains. We'll live in the mountains when it's cold and miserable, and, and, but when, when it's beautiful, we're going to let our friends come take our house and stay in it and, and have fun and, and have peace and restoration. You're like, some of you are like, this sounds crazy. There are people out there that do that, and that's called generous. It's the gift of generosity. Now, this kind of gift is a kind of gift where, where people do steward their money, and the more they have, the more they want to give. And so th- this is, some people are, 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 Christians are maybe just generally generous, some of them, and that's awesome, but this person is just, I cannot wait to just give, give, give. They just want to give. And so this does not, however, g- require great wealth. Uh, it doesn't require you to be rich. Like this gift is not only given to the rich, but oftentimes God tends to sometimes make those with this gift rich so because he knows how they'll steward it. Some people don't ever get wealthy because like they're stingy. And God's like, I know you're a stingy person, and so I, we're capping this off at this, this income. Like just, it's, it's, what, it's what parents do to their kids after they, they won't share their toys. We're, okay, we're done buying toys. We're, okay, you won't share your food. You're, you like. I could give you way more than this, but you're so stingy and you're so mean and you're so rude with what we've given you. We're cutting you off, son, daughter, like we're done here. God does that. And so those who have the gift of generosity often find themselves faithful with little uh, and, and they, they, they're generous even when they're poor. And, then, and sometimes God makes them rich and they're like even more generous uh, as far as like the, the amount of, of generosity they can extend. And so the... the uh, the point here is that it doesn't require you to be wealthy in order to be generous. We actually see this in 2 Corinthians. Uh, the, the, the Paul is talking to the same church in Corinth that we've been discussing. He, he refers to a church in Macedonia that's given, they gave a lot when they had nothing. He talks about their generosity. They, were, they, they, they gave out of their poverty. So the gift of generosity doesn't just, is, is a supernatural gift given to us by the Holy Spirit that, that, that empowers people to steward their resources for the good and blessing of, of others. And so the gift of giving is always looking for ways, people are just always looking for ways to give. See, uh, the, the, this is a gift to the church, obviously. We need money. Like, the church, churches need money. And so God requires all Christians to give faithfully, generously, and willfully. 
But, in, but for most people, that takes work, right? Amen? Like, it takes work to, to give faithfully, generously, and cheerfully. You're like, I got the faithfully because it, it's auto-debited out of my account. So I, I, I emotionally detach myself from that situation because I'm not really good at it. Uh, I'm, so I'm working on the cheerful. As we're talking about it, I'm realizing I'm not very cheerful because uh, I auto-did it. And not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, like, I, I'm not cheerful. Um, and, 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 you know, it wasn't willful because, like, you know, it, it's automated now. Like, the point being is that, I'm not again. We love automated giving for the the fact that we're not cheerful givers. And but the the point is that God wants our heart. He wants us to all to give faithfully, generously, cheerfully. He wants that for us. Some of us it takes work. Those with this gift, it doesn't take work. They're like, where do I write the check? Who I I've seen this happen where people are like, you know what? I have a large amount of money I want to give to the church, and you're like, well, let me tell you about our church. You're like, I don't need to get tell, you don't need to tell me about it. Like y'all of Jesus, you're boom, writing checks. Like, wow, we wouldn't be a, a church existing to this day if there weren't generous people outside this church funding this. I'm telling you, we won't, we wouldn't, and we still need more people from outside the church to giving this to, to, to fund this sucker. And so this isn't a ploy. I'm just, just telling you the facts. Like we've doubled in size, but we haven't doubled in, in our finances. Like it's just a fact. Like it's, it's not a ploy. I'm just saying like it takes a long time for, for the average person to, to get on board with giving faithfully and generously and cheerfully. And it, 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 and, but some, however, have the gift of generosity. And they, God has given them that gift, and, and they want to give in, in, in great capacities. And so while we need everyone on, in the church on board to give faithfully and generously, we thank God for the, the gift of generosity that we've seen that has sustained the life of this church from outside supporters, even people within the church. But the point, I don't know how much anyone gives, just so you know, so I can never say like someone in here is very generous in, in a large amount, because I'll never know how much you give. So I, 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 I just know that we don't, we've doubled in a we haven't doubled our, in our income. That's all I know. That's all I know. But my hope is that, that we would have a spirit of generosity in our church. And some of you may be th- thinking right now that, hey, it seems like we're talking a lot about money here. And when are we going to move on to the other gifts? I would just want you to know this, that Jesus, Jesus, 25% of his words in the Gospels were a court, were, had something to do with stewardship and resources. So if I were to take Jesus' strategy, one Sunday out of every month, I would devote an hour to talking about money. I, and y'all know I don't do that. So just, just saying, like, I'm, uh, if you want to correct me and say I'm not biblical in that regard, like, I can grow in that. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, grow in, in, in talking about this awkward, awkward thing. God's desire is that his people would be generous. Some people have been, have been gifted by the Holy Spirit through conversion, through filling of the Holy Spirit, a gift of generosity, and it is a blessing. If that's you, we thank God for you. I want to speak to one person. Uh, his name was uh, R.G. Uh, Letourneau. He was, he was born in the late 1800s, uh, died in the mid to, to late 1900s. Uh, but he was a su- successful businessman. Um, and he had, quote, unquote, it's called earth-moving machines, uh, which there's like bulldozers. He invented like earth-moving machines, so things like bulldozers. He had up to 300 different uh, inventions, hundreds of patents. He was this wealthy like entrepreneur, uh, you know, businessman, but he was a Christian. He was a wealthy man, and what he sought to do was every year he, he sought to increase his giving to the Lord. So eventually he did what was called the reverse tithe. So the tithe is 10% where most people give 10% to God, live off of 90%. What he did was give away 90% of his wealth and lived off of 10%. Because he was making, so he was just like, I don't need any of that. I'm going to give this all away. 
That's called the gift of generosity. That's what happens when God makes a, 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 a someone who has the, this gift of generosity and makes them wealthy. They do things like that. They do things like that. And so we see in Jesus' ministry, like I said, we see that he taught things like if you're faithful with little, uh, you'll be faithful with much. If you're dishonest with little, you'll be dishonest with much. Moreover, we, like I just said, he spent 25% of his words were in, in the Gospels were on stewardship or resources. And then uh, we know that Jesus was a sinless, so he tithed uh, to, to the Jewish church, and he paid his taxes, and uh, he fed mul- we know he fed multitude. And, and then he also gave his life. Like, so Jesus was generous in, in, in a myriad of ways with stewarding his, his uh, resources on earth, uh, but also he, he gave his life. Like, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. The, the greatest act of generosity is not the, the giving of uh, the reverse tithing. The greatest act of generosity was Jesus giving himself, him giving his life, giving his righteousness away. He gave his righteousness away to, to those who were not righteous. He gave his sinlessness away to those who were not sinless. He gave uh, his inheritance away to those who did not deserve it. He came seeking and saving us, his children, dying in our place for our sins, that he could give us his righteousness, give us his sinlessness, give us entrance into his kingdom. Adopt us into his family. Make us heirs with, 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 uh, with the Lord Jesus. And we will judge the living and the dead. Like we, will, we will be with him. We will judge angels with him as we've seen in 1 Corinthians. We will be, we are, Jesus took us who were rebellious sinners and said, I want that man and woman in my family and I will pay for them with my generosity to be in my family, but not with money, with my life. So do you have this gift? Do you find yourself like, you know, I, my instinct is to give. I just want to give. I tend to, to want to give. I'm thinking about, I'm the guy who thinks about getting a vacation home. I can't even own my own home, but if I could ever get my own home, I want a vacation home. And if I could ever get a vacation home, I'm going to have people come. I want, to, I want to steward my resources. I want to give, give, give. If that's you, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you with a few things to cultivate this gift. Start with what you have. Be generous with what you have. You don't have to have much. Be generous with what you have. But moreover than that, I'll also say this. Use discernment. Like those with the gift of, of, of generosity, if they don't have someone in their life who's a, who's, who has discernment, that you should grow in discernment. You need to grow in discernment because you can be taken advantage of. Really, p- generous people get taken advantage of all the time. And so uh, what we would not, not want for you to do is just use your gift uh, frivolously, um, uh, but, but to steward it well, to steward it well. And so that if you're giving away all your money and you have a bunch of kids and you, you're not, you know, giving anything to them, like, let's, let's, let's change it. That's not wise. Let's figure some stuff out. Grow in discernment. Grow in stewardship. Don't just think of generosity. Think of generosity meets stewardship. How do I steward my wealth? Um, leadership. The gift of leadership is next. These are people who have the clear, uh, they, have, they, have, they have a clear, significant vision from God, uh, to, and they're able to communicate it, whether that be publicly or privately, in such a way that they, other people want to follow them. Like, so here's the big idea with leadership. Everyone wants to be a leader, but one of the ways to tell if you have the gift of leadership is there are people following you. If no one follows you, you're not a leader. You may be a leader in some capacity. If you're a man, you're called to lead your home and your family. Like you're, you're, there are many people who don't have this gift who still have to step into leadership positions. 
What I'm saying is the spiritual gift of leadership in the context of Jesus and his church leading his mission is that you actually have to have people following you if you have the gift of leadership. That's one way to discern it. If you're like, man, I want to lead, uh, but, you know, I'm really like just, you just telling me what to do. Like, you, you, you don't have the gift of leadership, but you can lead in small capacities. You're just not gifted with the gift of leadership. People with the gift of leadership tend to be the point person in a ministry. They naturally find themselves falling into these positions. Um, they, they also don't mind taking responsibility, and they don't mind uh, getting, if, if the thing fails, like they're going to take responsibi- responsibility for it. If the thing succeeds, they're okay with taking responsibility for it. They're just like, I like leading. I want to be in charge, and, and, some, and that's a gift. It's a gift. Sometimes this is a redeemed quality from someone who is previously a leader and they're not a Christian, they get saved, and now uh, God awesome also gives them the gift of leadership and then it works to, in tandem with their, their past experience. Sometimes God calls a man uh, or a woman to a, a lead in some capacity and they, not, they didn't prior have the gift of leadership. They weren't really good leaders. So this is one way you can kind of see, man, this is the Holy Spirit, is your whole life, you're not really a great leader, and, and you even read all the books, you know, leadership books, and you, you like try, no one's really following you, but then uh, God wants to make you a leader, so he, he gives you the gift of leadership, and all of a sudden people start following you. You're like, all of a sudden, but there is, you start to see evidence and fruit of, of, of that gift being given. Obviously, Jesus had this gift, literally said the words, follow me, and people did it, like, that's all he said was, what's up, dude? Follow me. And they're like, yeah, okay. I'll leave everything. I'll leave everything. This is amazing. Not everyone followed Jesus, though, but those who did, man, they dropped everything. Many of them dropped everything to follow him. And guess what? We're still here today, 2,000 years later, doing what? Following Jesus. Like, we're, he's really, really, really good at leading. He has the leadership gift. Do you love uh, leading other people? Do you have uh, great confidence in your ability to lead? And, and, and not in a, a cockiness, but you're just like, I like, I'm confident when I lead. You might have this gift of leadership. Do you enjoy being uh, in charge or overall responsible, should I say, for, for, for certain situations and, and missions that you may lead? Um, and, or do you prefer play the background or play number two like that's a gift as well but it's not leadership when it comes to difficult situations uh, do others look to you for leadership or guidance like hey stuff is at the fan now it's what do we do and they look to you like hey what's the plan you're like all right and you step up and you you can you can come up with a plan pretty quickly and 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 lead people out of a certain situation and circumstance that's leadership you might have the gift of leadership uh do you uh, tend to uh, have uh, be able to, to articulate a clear vision for the future and rally people to get behind you to fulfill that mission. You might have the gift of leadership. And if you do, here are some ways that I would encourage you to grow. Um, the reality is a lot of leaders are, are often independent people. Uh, and they don't seek wise counsel. That's got to stop for the Christian. A Christian who is not submitted to godly counsel is going to is vulnerable for enemy attack, also for abuse of, of leadership power and authority. Like you must be in submission um, to Jesus, His Word, and, and spiritual authority uh, while you are also in authority. Both ha- can happen at the same time, and and you, you need wise counsel. The best leaders in in uh, the the say the Old Testament were the leaders who sought to fear the Lord and submit to themselves to godly leadership and God's word and God's people. And then they led, the, they led the mission. For example, like we've said, the early part of King Uzziah's life when he led uh, the, the nation of Israel to, to conquer great things. When he sought the fear of the Lord, when he, when he was submitted to the godly counsel around him, he succeeded and they prospered. When he didn't, things failed miserably. 
Additionally, if uh, one way you can grow in this is that, um, uh, like I said, um, it's lonely. It's lonely uh, being a leader sometimes, so you need to learn how to, to pray, uh, but also process with Jesus. Process your feelings, your emotions uh, with Jesus and godly counsel around you, um, but you need to, to learn how to process those things because uh, a leader sometimes can just get going, 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 and, but a lot of times there's emotional wounds, scars that happen and build up over time uh, from a leader that if they don't steward that, that, that pain well and processing it with Jesus can lead to great bitterness and may continue to succeed as a leader, but they're hard-hearted, and, and they become uh, problematic later on in their, their life and ministry. Um, also, I would say this. Uh, if you are married and you have the gift of leadership, man, may your best friends be your spouse, not your work. Uh, may, may your wife be your best friend, not, not the mission. Your wife is the mission. If you're a man, if you're, if you're a woman, you have a gift of leadership, uh, then your, your husband, like y'all, that's your first primary ministry and mission. Uh, lastly, when it comes to how to grow in this, uh, uh, the overflow from the spouse, uh, but to your family. Don't overlook your family. Oftentimes, great leaders will focus on their mission, but they'll neglect their family. Don't be a fool. That's foolish. Don't do that. Uh, focus on your family. Uh, help lead well first in your home. So if, you're, if you're, you feel like you have this gift, start cultivating in the home and let the, the ministry flow out of your home. Cultivate good, good habits, good rhythms, good vision in your home about where God's taking you, how you're leading there. And then from there, you can serve outside your home, but, but you must focus on your home. Do not neglect your, your home. And in, 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 in your wife is not your employee. Your kids are not your employees. I'm not saying it this way. So, but uh, you, you do have to lead. You have to lead them. You have to lead them and not just lead your employees, not just lead your, your mission, not just lead the ministry, not just lead the Bible study. You got to lead. Don't neglect the home. Um, next, mercy, the gift of mercy. Um, this is a gift I don't have, so, uh, but I have, a, I have a child, I believe, who has this. And so this has been really cool for me this week to study this. Uh, this child asked that I would not name them, so don't ask me who it is. In uh, the gift of mercy, these people uh, who have this usually have a, um, um, an unusual sense of compassion, empathy, and sympathy, uh, meaning they actually feel what other people feel like I don't get that I didn't think that was a real thing until I had this child like I can see this child feel what other people are feeling and like it cripples them I'm like what is this they're like that person is hurting and I'm hurting for them and I'm like wow I'm a wicked person like this is, if you have the gift of mercy, you make everyone around you feel like they are worthless. Like, uh, not really. Uh, but but you, you, you really do have this, um, you, you see people in crisis and in difficult situations and you just want to help. Like, you feel it in your bones you want to help. Like, you want to help people through tough times. Like, you're very merciful. You're a compassionate person. Like, this is a person who, who feels, knows, wants to help and care. Um, they don't like it when other people are hurt. This is like one of uh, my children, they, when they see like even jokes that hurt people's feelings, they're like, they're like, no, that's not okay. We can never joke like that again. And I'm like, my whole life is built around jokes. What is going on? What is going on? Like it's a constant like repentance session in my house. Um, 
And so these are great gifts, not only to help uh, folks like me who don't have this gift to be a little more compassionate, but also um, these people are a great gift to the church to, who can identify hurting and struggling people and broken people and they're over, who people are overwhelmed. And they really do seek them out and they, they care. So this gift combined with, with some of the other gifts, like say, uh, you, know, you know, like a shepherding gift can be really helpful. Um, uh, and so what this is or an encouragement gift can be really helpful as well. And so... People with this gift, they, they, they see hurt people and they want to see them healed. Um, they see people who are at the end of the rope and they're like, hey, I want to be there for you to help you hold on so you, so you, so you don't fall off the rope. I want to help you. I want to I help you up. I, I, I care so much. It's these merciful, compassionate, slow to anger like our Lord God. Uh, they're abounding in this, this love for people and affection for people see this in Jesus' life and that he was often referred to as being, we often describe as being compassionate. He's compassionate. Uh, and in first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that he is the God of all mercy who comforts us in our affliction. And so uh, it, it, we, we can see Jesus, whether it's weeping over Jerusalem or weeping after his friend Lazarus dies, he felt, he, was, he, he lived his life um, with great mercy and compassion. And so this is a great gift to hurting people in the church. And so we need people like this. And so if you're drawn to people who are needy or hurting or overwhelmed or maybe disabled or even el- like the elderly and you're like, I want to like, I just want to go care for them. I just want to be around them. I want to listen to them. I want to help them. I want to like that might be this might be your gift. Do you uh, do you see people who are hurting and are often overlooked? And, but but you recognize them like you're seeing everyone overlooks this person. but I don't overlook this person. You might have the gift of mercy. Now, I hope that we're all wanting to grow in this like I do. And I think I have grown in this. But like it's not a gift that's natural to me. Um, and so there are some people who just, this is just naturally see these things. They're, they're, they're compassionate people. They, uh, they're, they're, they're what you would call a feeler more than a thinker. So if, you, if, 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 if I say this, um, what do you want to do? And you say, I think we should, bam, 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 bam. You're not a feeler, probably. But if you say, I feel like we should, you might have a little bit more mercy and compassion than the rest of us. Uh, and so th- th- that may be one identifying way to, to, start, to start seeing your makeup, how God has wired you and gifted you. Uh, if, if you're more of a feeler than you are a thinker, you might have maybe more prone to acts of mercy or compassion or gifts of mercy and compassion. So how do you grow in this? Well, number one, uh, when someone comes to confide in you, this is one way I would encourage you. If someone comes to confide in you and, and they're hurt, don't just take up offense immediately. Don't rush to any conclusion. Far too often the people with, with great mercy, and we see this in our nation right now, uh, those who have great mercy and compassion and empathy, what they do is they'll hear something, then all of a sudden, all, uh, all of a sudden assume that the other people are the bad guy. And they don't listen to both sides. They're quick to draw conclusions, which is, which is against the scriptures. Proverbs uh, 18, 17 tells us that we've got to listen to both sides. So if this is you, then you've got to grow in, in not just hearing the story from someone who's been hurt or in trauma, but listen to their story, but also learn the other side too before you make your conclusion. Before, if you're going to draw a conclusion, you have to hear both sides. You have to, especially in a world today that we live in. And, and, and if you're a very empathetic person, you feel this and it's just really hard for you. 
It's really hard for you. So you need others to help you, maybe come alongside you to help you draw the, the right conclusions. If necessary, that is a conclusion that must be drawn. Not all the, t- not all the times it has to be. But I'm saying if there is, don't just drop uh, a defense. For example, ladies, if like a, a woman who's hurting or, or, or sad or, or something that's going on and they start talking to you, it doesn't, and they mention their husband, don't just think that he is like, we should call the cops on him. Like maybe... But maybe not. Like I'm just saying, like maybe, maybe she drew. I've heard, seen this before. It's like, well, he, um, you know, he grabbed her hand and hurt her, and he, she has like bruises on her hand, and you find out that she pulled a knife on him. And it's like that's why he grabbed her hand, right? Like it changes the story. It changes the story, right? And this is the type of stuff I'm saying. Like it can be if you you feel pain of others, like it's real pain. I'm not saying it's fake pain, but you may not know the whole story. Be careful. Careful when you draw your conclusions. Um, moreover, to that because you ha- you're very empathetic and you you carry pain of others, you need rest. You need to be ministered to yourself. So you need to to spend more time um, manage. You need to not just manage your time, but you need to manage your emotional and spiritual energy. You might need. You might not be able to to go uh, from one meeting to the next, one group to the next. Like you might need time between your community group and your discipleship group. You're like, I have community group on Tuesday and discipleship group on Wednesday. And I, on Thursday, I feel like I'm hungover. And, and Friday, it feels worse. And like I go into the weekend miserable. Well, it might be because just emotionally, you're carrying a lot there. Maybe you're not in. Um, maybe you space things out. You've got to manage your emotional and spiritual energy as well. This is where uh, you, you, if you get some people who have great admin uh, and they have great mercy uh, and you have a leader, like you can start a revolution, man. You can change the city. Like you can start new ministries with these gifts together. Um, hospitality, which is the last gift, and I'm going to be a little over, but kind of on time. Hospitality. This is one of this is the coolest gift. This this is the coolest gift ever because everyone loves being friends with people who are hospitable, right? Like everyone loves like a good host. Uh, some of you are good hosts, and so you love hosting. But others of us are just like like a good host. Uh, hospitality is the ability to welcome strangers and entertain guests, oftentimes in your home, oftentimes in your home, um, with great joy and kindness, um, and and and. You, become, you tend to become friends with people. Hospitality is seen in the scriptures to, to refer to uh, welcoming people in your home in regards to like a family uh, or other families, friends. We see that in 1 Timothy. We see this in Proverbs 27, welcoming other Christians in Galatians uh, 6.10. Uh, and then also we see it in welcoming the stranger, outsider, non-Christian. Like this, this welcoming people from all walks of life into your house. You love cooking. You love planning. You love hosting. You love partying. You love interior design. You love aesthetics. You love people coming over. You love it. You love this gift, and this, this may be your gift. These are the type of people that when it comes to purchasing a home or renting a home or whatever, uh, obtaining their home, they're thinking about, ooh, how can we, how, is this room going to be good for hosting? Is this, like, do you think about those things? Some of you are like that. You think, like, when I bought this home, this, this is where the table is going to go, and this is where people are going to be eating from it, and you just had this vision of people just walking in your house, smiling, happy, warm, and you're like, campfire in the back. You just have it all. You're ready. You might have the gift of hospitality. It's a great gift, right? And so uh, it doesn't require that you have a lot of money to be uh, hospitable. Just like it doesn't have, it doesn't require uh, generosity. It doesn't require you have a, have to have a lot of money either. But it does require stewardship. You don't have to have a lot of money, but but you can steward what you have. I remember my home growing up. My mother was like the 
cook for the neighborhood. My cook, she made peanut butter and jelly. She could cook other things, but like that was the thing. Everyone would come from all over my neighborhood and eating at my table, eating these peanut butter and jellies. She'd even do this for the, the kids at, on the track team. And, and they, she got the name from my, uh, my friends, Mama J. And like my kids now call their grandmother Mama J, not because it was a great grandma name, it's because everyone her entire life has been calling her Mama J because she's been the, the mom to everybody, you know, hosting and giving peanut butter and jellies to everyone. It's, it's not like peanut butter and jelly, white bread, like, you know, it was, it was not, it's not like the, you know, fancy bread that has nuts in it, you know? It was the, it's old school, like no honey. It was, it was I don't even know if it was real jelly, you know? You don't have to have a lot of money to be a good host and to, to be hospitable. Welcoming people over, neighbors over. You're the person who's like, well, I'm cooking on the grill. I'm doing, I want to do it in the front yard so that my neighbor, I can talk to my neighbors. Some of you are like, I love like cooking in my backyard and I don't want anyone to know. And so I'm kind of bummed that everyone can smell it. Like that's you. You may not be hospitable. But uh, the gift of hospitality, you're like, you're thinking meals. You're thinking parties. You're already thinking about Thanksgiving. You're already thinking about Christmas. You're like, I hope that I can throw a New Year's party. You're just, you're thinking about these things and you're, you're consulting with other people in the church going, hey, you throwing a party too? Ah, let's not do it on the same day because we want to do more parties. Like you're hospitable. You have this gift of hospitality. Jesus, we see this in his ministry, he was known for, for hanging out at the parties. He was, he was conf- some people thought he was a drunkard and a glutton because he was always around people eating and drinking. He was just always around the party. Uh, it, it, he, he loved holidays. He loved meals he, with his disciples. We see that he enjoyed the hospitality from people like Lazarus, Mary, and Martha in the scriptures. We know this, that Jesus is uh, in, in, in the new heavens and the new earth. Like, it's going to be a big party. Like, it's going to be, like, in the presence of Jesus will be the fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. Like, in heaven will be a party paid for by God. Like, he's, he's on the party planning committee, organizing. He's doing the whole thing. And so how do you grow in this gift of hospitality is that... Uh, you must first just be hospitable with what you have. I just want to encourage you to be hospitable with what you have. Don't fall to discouragement. So let me pour some courage into your heart right now. Uh, don't fall into discouragement if you look around with someone who has more resources and they throw better parties than you. This is, this is we're one team. This isn't we're not in competition with parties around here. Throw that off the window. That's a lie from Satan. You be hospitable in the with the capacity you have. Be faithful there. God will increase if He desires to. Either way, be hospitable where you are at. Um, additionally, uh, I'll say if you want to grow in this area of hospitality and you're not good at budgeting, that's a first step. Like you really need to grow in in admin and budget, or you will like probably be limited to what you're able to do. Um, and so, uh, think long term. Think how God has gifted you and wanted to use this this gift. Budget now. Here, husbands, hear this. If your wife has the gift of hospitality and you're stingy, you're the problem. You're keeping her from using her God given gift. And you're like, I don't. I'm introverted and I don't like people around and I don't like spending money. Repent today. Your wife needs to use her gift of hospitality. I'm dead serious. Like you need to do it. There's a, there's a man, uh, his name's Francis Schaefer, and he had his wife, Edith Schaefer. They, they, he had the gift of evangelism and teaching. Uh, uh, she had the gift of uh, hospitality. She wrote this book called the, uh, the Hidden Art of Homemaking, so go check that out. Like, they would have hundreds of people at their house at a time 
usually young artist types. And so uh, Francis Schaeffer was this uh, was teacher, philosopher type guy. This was in the 60s and 70s. Hippies coming over to their house. He was like evangelizing. They literally called their house Labrie, which means shelter. Like this was the shelter for the, the kids to come over. He was an evangelist. She was hosp- hospitable. So she'd create the party and he would do the teaching. Some of you might have a, ha, need to understand that your wife has a different gift than you, and so that needs to be stewarded and cultivated and, and funded. Uh, but also, you might have, it might complement your gifts to actually find scenarios and, and spaces where you can use your gifts. Don't, don't, uh, God has put you guys together as a, as a husband and wife, and she's your helper. She might want to help you if she has the gift of hospitality. She's helping you not be stingy, but generous. Just pray about that. Uh, that's one way you can grow in that regard. Um, Additionally, I'll say this on, on, the, on, the, on hospitality. You do need discernment. Uh, it's not wise to bring uh, unsafe or people into your home, especially if uh, you're, you just love family um, and you have love family over, but uh, you grew up with someone who was uh, 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 sexually abusing you or your, your, your people in your sphere. Like I, I, This is real things that people have experienced. That may not be. Uh, the great ho- you're not a great host just because you, you uh, have everybody over. I'm just saying that you need some discernment in that, in that regard. Additionally, don't let wolves in. Um, and so if like, people are trying to build dissension within the body of Christ and lead people astray, you may not want to have certain people in your home uh, for that. Um, and so those are, or like, you know, you don't necessarily invite the demon-possessed guy over to your house. Like, and not, we're not against... Uh, being hospital friendly to people, but we are we want people to be rid of of spiritual uh, uh, you know evil like like demonic you know you know we people need to be the demons cast out we need that that is a ministry it doesn't necessarily need to happen at your dinner table just something to again pray about and think about uh, and discern about as you exercise and grow in this gift of hospitality if you have it so we'll end with this Jesus is our our, our is our chief shepherd he's our chief shepherd. He is the one, that's his, he is the chief shepherd. And under his shepherding and his lordship and his leadership, I want to, he wants, I want to encourage us. Uh, I want to encourage us and I want to pour courage into us in that Jesus welcomes sinners to himself. So if you're not a Christian today, Jesus welcomes you to himself. If you're a Christian and you find yourself just overcome with guilt or overcome with shame, or you're like, man, I, I'm not stewarding my gifts well, uh, or I'm not, I'm not being wise in these certain areas, Jesus welcomes you as you are right now. He doesn't keep you as you are right now. He'll change you. He'll transform you. But I need you to see that Jesus in his hospitality welcomes you as you are and then transforms you and then sends you out to be who he's called you to be. He's welcoming you. He's calling you to himself, all of us today, to come to him. Whether you're weary, whether you're burdened, whether you're reminded of your your sin, your shame, sin that's been done to you or against you, you, you need mercy, you need kindness, you need forgiveness, you need hope, you need redemption, you need healing. What do you need today? The, 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 the window of opportunity is open. Jesus welcomes you. He wants you to know also that, that he is the most generous being there ever has been. He gave himself for you. You're a blood-bought child of God if you're a Christian. And that means that he is also merciful to you, meaning that there's more mercy and grace in Jesus than sin in you. So think about the, the amount of sin you have. There's ample more mercy and grace coming from Jesus to you than sin that you've ever committed. And therefore, Jesus, as a great leader, wants to continue to lead you. Will you follow? Will you follow? He's preparing a feast for us so that as we follow him to that day in which he calls us home, and that feast is held. Let's continue to worship him with our whole hearts, our whole mind, our whole strength. 
I'm going to pray for us, then Pastor Alex is going to come up and we'll, we'll talk about communion. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your mercy and grace extended towards us, that, that adopts us into a family, that welcomes sinners and change, transforms us into saints. We thank you that there's more mercy and grace in you, Jesus, than sin in us. Um, you are our chief shepherd. Continue to care for us. Continue to pastor us. Continue to counsel us. Create in our hearts a uh, uh, great desire to wield and use our giftedness uh, that you've given us, Holy Spirit, to, to maximize, Jesus, your ministry here in this church and in this city. Um, may we continue to obediently, lovingly, willfully, generously give and follow you, Jesus, as you lead us. In Christ's name, amen.